Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. On the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Possibly a coffee mug. Depending on where you are in the world listening. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, I'm sure. Every once in a while, we we go off our be- the beaten path of the typical Catholic Man Show to be able to dive into specific topics that ultimately Dave and I really care about that's, yeah. that's really what it boils it's, down to it's ultimately all, it is about us it's our show so we get to pick yeah exactly um and you're welcome for watching <laughs> <laughs> every we've had we've had ones uh on whiskey 101 we've had ones on cigar 101s we've done a forging 101 yeah there's other things and when we did the forging i learned some new words uh like bladesmithery that's a like that's a pretty sweet word yeah mm-hmm. um and i feel like we're all going to learn some new words today. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've already learned a couple, and we'll get we'll get to them. I don't want to jump jump the gun, including okay. the stretchiness of that word smithery. Yeah, it stretches to a lot of things. Yes, that's what Very I useful. realized after. Is like what you can just say blade smithery. Like yeah. you can just throw smithery. You can just yeah put that at the end of stuff. That's right. Like It'll be a wordsmith. I, yes. Well, I practice pancake smithery. <laughs> <laughs> I craft pancakes. Yes. You're welcome. Why don't you introduce our, de- our guest? Okay, so we have uh, here in studio Mr. Brandon Sheard of Farmstead Meatsmith. Meatsmith. That's it. From Washington State. Yes. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so you are Catholic. You converted. If mm-hmm. your people are interested in uh, seeing that, it's what was show was it? It's what, what was it? Marcus Grodice, The Journey Home. That's right. Journey Home. Okay, yes. yeah. So uh, you did a great episode with him. Um, that was fun. Yeah. So you have a cool conversion story, A. So that's, you know, something neat. What's B? God he, made it look really cool after I got out of the way. <laughs> yeah, conversion stories, they, they're, <laughs> kind of, yeah, they're kind of only cool when you look back at yeah, them. Right. When you're in the midst of them, it's the worst, actually. Because <laughs> you're having to, like, give up things that you don't want to give up. Right. It's right. Just like you're dealing with existential crises. Right. Uh, I might be wrong about the way, ev- everything. E- everything. My, my whole right. perception of reality. Yeah. 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 It's like, you know, uh, Jim Carrey might be, might be right about <laughs> all of it. <laughs> I don't know yet. Uh, but Brandon, you also have a podcast. I, I've had a chance to yes. listen to some of those episodes. Why don't you tell them about your podcast just a little Thank bit? Thank you. Yeah, it's... Uh, now I have to remember the name of my own podcast. <laughs> yeah, my wife and I sit down and we record, you know, a couple a month. And uh, it's the Meatsmith household. Uh, you can also look it up just on iTunes under Farmstead Meatsmith. Uh, and we kind of cover what it has been, our journey to make a lot of our own food and eat it in the and feed lots of children therewith. It. Yes. It's called uh, the Meatsmith Harvest. There it is. The Meatsmith Harvest is what it's called. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lauren. But that's what it's called. That's what Lauren you, is my wife. You can you can uh, look that up on iTunes. But yeah, yes. so so you go through basically what like how to how to do it. You basically processes. It's really cool how you, how you integrate both uh, being able to provide for your family like in a real sense of from farm to, to table, yeah. but you also integrate your faith in the process, mm-hmm. right? I mean, your, your lovely wife does that quite a bit as yeah. well. Yeah, we can't help it. Uh, it's so, we'd have to self-edit, you know, right? in order to, to not do that. And 
a lot of it is trying to figure out the older traditions of how did people do this on a domestic scale? Because mm -hmm. that's sort of what we don't get a lot of anymore is, you know, we have we, we got the industrial scale down. Right. You know, we can do a lot yeah, of animals at of... once. But what, mm -hmm. what like if it's just your backyard and you just want to smoke some hams? What do you do then? Yeah. And come to find out there's centuries of people doing exactly that very so, well. So, I mean, because that is a good question. It's like, are, are you going to tell us? Uh, do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, there's so many questions I have. So but, tomorrow right. we're doing something very awesome. Yes, we're going um, to Dr. Malash's house um, to kill, eviscerate, yeah. butcher, and eat are we, yeah. are we gonna cook it and eat it tomorrow uh yes we're gonna eat some offal yeah see i i don't know what that is but i'm i'm excited about it yeah. uh but i went to his i went to his house oh a couple months ago and it was really one of my first experiences of being on a small farm mm -hmm. um not something huge where you have a machine taking care of this and uh you know where each animal would be its own yeah, like line, but a small farm. And I was fascinated to see how it almost took care of itself in many ways. Mm -hmm. um, they have since sold their milk cow, but they had a yeah. cow and the cow, aside from providing them milk, also fed the pig. Yeah. And they... Would, it's a circle of life. Right. Because it's a circle. Because it's a circle. Yeah. That's right. I remember the Lion King. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Just like that movie, but anyway, it was just very, very cool and eye-opening because yeah. I didn't know, I didn't know that. I've always wondered, is it really cheaper to raise your own pig? Because pork is, yeah. you know, it's pretty cheap, really. Yeah, um, it's not. Yeah, but if you don't have to actually spend any money on it, it's just costing you labor. Yeah, um, labor, and you buy the feed, and ultimately, like it's you know, it's a quality of life thing. Uh -huh. before it is a quantitative gain in the pocketbook. Uh -huh. Yeah. And it, it's Yeah, cuz yeah. we we had uh Dr. Cutterback on re mm -hmm. not too long ago and we were talking to him about family life in general and he yeah. was he was saying some of the best moments he's had with his son yeah. was butchering a pig. He said those were the times where he had like you got electronics away, you were able to just one-on-one -on -one with your son and and there were just natural moments of being able to talk about meaningful stuff in life. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. I mean, working together will will do that, you know, because your your body is engaged and your mind is sort of liberated to to converse, mm -hmm. to go on. Yeah. So is butchering a pig, is it hard? Is it something, and I don't mean to be sexist, but is it yeah. something that a woman could easily do or... Yeah, yeah, it's I would say that it is uh it it is hard but it is not complex. Okay. So So it, but it doesn't take a lot of physical strength. Right. Maybe just more of a sharp knife. If you have uh it is nice to have the assist of some carcass moving apparatus because okay. there is a huge difference between what the weight is on the scale and this thing we call dead weight. Right. Like the dead weight of a body is it is so heavy and awkward and difficult to move. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you see, well, maybe you don't, but in old school butcher shops, they use vertical space. Everything is on trolleys and rails because then if you need to move a carcass, you can use your legs, your thighs. And push it. Yeah. You know, none of this, none of this stuff. To the back. Like bend down yeah. and lift it up off the ground. Yeah. 
Yeah. So if you can manage that little part, you know, uh, then it is very manageable and anybody can do it. Okay. So let's start at the beginning. Yeah. That's um, a good place to start. It is a very good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They should write a song about that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you get into meat smithery? Yeah. Butchering. Did your dad do it? Did you learn it from him? Did you watch YouTube? No, it should give people. I watched YouTube. You did? Oh, yeah. No Absolutely. kidding. I was kidding. No. But that's hilarious. That's it. The University of YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. People should be encouraged. I mean, I grew up in Southern California, suburbia okay. completely. Um, and moved to the Pacific Northwest. My wife and I were academics 100%. We were just going to go from college and PhD to teaching at, at universities. That uh-huh. was kind of the goal. And midway through that process, we got sort of, you know, uh, revolted by the academic scene, a little repu- repelled from it. Yeah. You know, writing for the fadistic journals on the, f- the Fed topics and not really good meaty content. Yeah. And uh, so we wanted to do something real, you know, that category of things Yeah, mm-hmm. that's real. real. Yeah. yeah. Tangible. Yeah. And literally not any more defined than that. And it could have been anything. And so we moved to Vashon Island and this is right after we were married. And I was, it sounds nice. That sounds nice. I yeah. don't know what that is. but it, Oh, Vashon Island. That is the place we live on. It is a rock in the Puget Sound, 13 miles long, four wide. We live on the south end of it. The nice. names of other places are much more romantic than mm-hmm. they are here in Oklahoma. I don't know, dude. Chickasaw <laughs> and, and Shakota. Shakota, yeah. I mean, and Shoto. Yeah, Shoto. Yeah. <laughs> Broken Arrow. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, like, go ahead. Can we yeah. fix the arrow? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or, but uh, Puget Sound and the name yeah. of that, it's like, wow, that yeah. sounds lovely. Vashon. It, it is lovely. Mm-hmm. I live in a lovely place. That's I'm very, very awesome. grateful. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we went to this lovely place and I was looking for real work, you know, in Vashon town, which has like 11 businesses. Okay. And one of them was a butcher shop that had opened the day prior. And wow. I walked in. Yeah. So they were hiring. <laughs> well, not really, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it was just the coolest thing going. Uh-huh. And I had worked at Whole Foods. And so one thing I knew about was wine. Okay. Uh, on account of spending my paycheck. On wine, mm-hmm. yeah, at mm-hmm. Whole Foods because they have quite a nice wine selection. Whoa! Turns out our uh, <laughs> bumper music decided to. Sorry about that. Sorry. There. Some, some sound effects fixed. Yeah. yeah, I fixed it. Sorry about that. Continue. No, yeah. So we were uh, walked in. I saw not only was it a butcher shop, but he was making his own wine. And okay. I still do Very some work cool. for him to this day, actually. Okay. Making his own wine. And they were making their own cheese. And they were selling lamb and pork. It's just incredibly diversified. And it, it was all from his farm on the north end of the island. Hmm. And so I, I essentially thought, this is really awesome. I would like to know how to do all of this mm-hmm. for my people, for my family. Because this is all real. Yeah, it's all real. You made something. Yeah, I made it. Look at it. There it is. Yeah. Yes. That's how simple our affections are coming out of, you know, just kind of the suburban isolation from all those real things. Yeah. It's just really, yeah, interesting. But so I basically started, I, I showed up for work every day for two weeks and then he started paying me. Um, just kind of. That was a bold move on your part. Yeah. Especially <laughs> newly married. I don't think I'm that bold anymore. Yeah. But anyway, made it work. 
<laughs> and uh, I worked there for exactly two years and learned everything by doing it. Uh-huh. So there was no training. It's a small business. Like there were right. very few of us. Just not like, here's our training program. Right, right. This is shoot pig here. Like, Watch no. this video. Yeah, none of that. It was uh, figure it out. And what really broke through for me was uh, the final cause of it all, which was the meal. And so when I actually started eating the things that we were creating, then I understood all the things that we were creating and how Ah. to do it. Because you just got to get that telos. Like you got to get the end in view. Mm -hmm. And it was was an epiphanous moment for me when I discovered that. It's just flavor. You know, like trying the bacon that we were making for the first time was like, no, we don't. How come I've never had this before? This is bacon? That other stuff? I don't know what that was that I've been eating my whole life, but it's not this. Mm-hmm. Um, my mouth is watering. Yeah. We're doing this on a Friday. It's just complete minutes. <laughs> We're talking about bacon. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so so you, you figure it out. You figure out. So how do you do it? How do you decide, though, this is what I'm going to do? Like, so you yes. went from I'm working for another guy, uh-huh. and now what, the, there has to be a pretty big leap yeah uh, or another step at least kind of i mean both my parents were uh had their own businesses growing up Hmm. so i don't know what it's like to work for someone else really okay the only path i know is kind of like stare into the void and like scratch money out of it which is Mm kind of what i feel like small businesses are that's a good talent to to have i mean if you can do that Yeah, yeah if you can survive yes and i uh so i we started having children Mm-hmm. Which, as you might know, can change some things. That's a motivating factor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never felt so like, I have got to work harder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what have I been doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was our second son. When he, John Luke came along, it was like, maybe I can't work 17 hours a day at this other farm. Because it was, there's a lot to do. There were four of us, uh-huh. maybe five sometimes. And we were milking seven cows, making cheese, making wine, slaughtering 50 chickens, slaughtering three or four sheep, two pigs every week and selling it fresh at the Seattle farmers markets on the weekends. So just incredibly dense schedule and a great way to learn all the things. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so uh, it was when we stopped doing that, that I was, you know, I was content to just go on and work for other contractors. We'll do some building over here, some excavating, I'll build some caskets at my friend's uh, wonderful casket shop, Marion Caskets. Oh, I've heard, I know that. Yes. I've heard of that. Yeah. Marcus Daly. Yeah. Yeah. He's been, uh, he had a little special on EW2TN. Yeah, that's where I saw it. He's been on the journey home also. Uh-huh. Yeah, with Marcus Grodi. But wonderful, beautiful, simple, humble caskets. That's what I want. Yeah. You know, made of wood and stuff. Yeah, yeah like pine. Like, like natural. Pine box. Yeah. I don't need all the super fan. Anyway, this yeah. is another topic. I That's what I, I, I have that in my will, but I have a feeling the church is going to really want me to be encased in gold and <laughs> stuff. Well, I don't know. So you know, It'll take yeah. a while at least. <laughs> We've done well, a lot of episodes. They're going to have to listen to all right. this. Yeah, that's very humble of you to acknowledge the church's authority over you. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm nothing but humble servant. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I was content to do that. Okay. But then uh, Lauren, actually pregnant with her third child, said, you know, you have this skill of being able to harvest all of these animals. Uh, you, you need to use it. You're responsible to use it. And uh, so I actually blame her for... 
the Farmstead Meatsmith mm-hmm. that we then launched. And there was, you know, an element of how do you know what your calling is in life? And it's like, well, when people are calling you and asking you to do a thing, might be your calling. Yeah, I just, God, I just don't know what my calling is. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. I can't do that for you. Right. I'm trying to figure out my calling. Right. Yeah. And there was a demand for a small scale, you know, harvest a goat here, a pig there, which is, is hard to fit in okay. to the schedule of larger slaughtering operations. So people were bringing you their animals. I was going to their animal. I was going to them. Okay. 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 So but- mobile, which is totally a different service. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Because now do you have your own property that you... Yes. Th- okay. But I still am mobile uh, for the kill. So I have a truck with a crane that swings out the back and I go to the farm. It's the best. I mean, you know, farm killed meat is you're harvesting the animal on its own turf. It does not have the stress of transportation. Right. Or, or the hassle for the farmer, honestly. It is a pain to transport living animals. Mm-hmm. Not so hard. Once they're dead. Um, <laughs> turns out. Yeah, if, turns if out. you can lift them. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. That's the only part. Uh, so I go and I harvest the animals on on the farm. And then I bring them back to my shop where I have a walk-in cooler to chill them. And then I can cut them, wrap them for the freezer, and cure them for the person to come pick up later. Fascinating. That's, okay, so have you ever been pulled over on your way back to your to your shop, like with just like some dead goats in the back or something? Uh, yes. <laughs> like, uh, what are you doing today, son? Yeah, yeah. I had one guy who, uh, one officer, he pulled me over. He's like, "Do you know why I pulled you over?" I'm like, "Actually, no. I have no idea. No idea." Your truck is bleeding. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> There's a trail of blood. <laughs> for yeah. The last half mile. He just wanted to like inspect the outside. For some reason, I. It might have been the trail of blood that made him want to look. <laughs> right. There's not blood coming out of my truck. But, yeah, it's weird. Okay, that's hilarious that that has actually happened to you. Yeah. But so that so this is what you do now full time. Yeah. So that is one of the things. That is the service that I offer to small farmers in on my island and off in my region. And then the other thing is we have a large we teach people how to do it in their backyard because hmm. where all of the best things came from like all of the uh, really amazing European foods that we love, like prosciutto, mm-hmm. pancetta, mm-hmm. lom, alon. So, you know, all the salami, mm-hmm. that stuff came from the domestic kitchen. That's where it originated from. And s- which means to me, hey, we should be able to do that. Being humans, yeah. like the humans that came right. before us, uh-huh. uh, in our kitchen and stuff. Not with like, you know, the perfectly sterilized clean rooms and a thousand pigs at a time like this should actually be simple enough to fit in our brains and we could feed ourselves this way right because it does taste so much better like beyond you can make a prosciutto in your home that will taste better than anything you can purchase Mm. i promise yeah because people were doing this before the internet yeah you know like obviously something that you can just know how to do yeah and do it yeah it's very simple and it is the prowess of, of the home cook, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a, a lot of education that we offer to equip equip the the domestic kitchen to do that. Um, we have a, a the Meatsmith membership where I put online content online to a, a group of people making videos every month on how to do it. We've got forums and private Facebook group and everything. Mm-hmm. And then the classes we host at our farm, uh, at our property, which are like three day. They're in t- we're kind of cramming it into one day tomorrow but we'll do three days where we we slaughter two pigs one day 
butcher them the next, and then cure and cook them the third day. And people go home from that and they're like, yeah, I can do this. And they do. So when you say slaughtering a pig, what is involved in that other than killing it? Yeah. Probably so draining it, right? I mean, yeah, get the blood out. So, okay. sec- so first step is the kill and you shoot them in the brain. Okay. Anything less than the brain will not kill the pig. And uh, then you, they drop and you bleed them out by cutting the carotid arteries with your knife because okay. their heart is ear still beating. Right. You can do ear to ear. If you want to be subtle about it and actually catch the blood, then you just make a jab. It's just an incision. I'll show huh. you tomorrow. Okay. And then you'll get a stream into which uh, it will flow in a, into a bowl. And you want to and you want to catch the you want to catch the blood. If one would like to eat the blood, I'm going to show you all right. how to catch blood yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Are we going to make blood sausage? We probably won't have time, but I am going to show you how to catch it. So you can. Basically, what you do is the blood's flowing into the bowl. You put your hand in it and you stir the blood. You and just mix it up? Mixing it. And you're preventing it from turning it into a giant scab because it just wants to coagulate immediately upon uh, being exposed sense. to air. Sure. And then you'll just have a big useless blood cake. And so you want to stir it, stir it, stir it, and the coagulating platelets will cling to your hands and you can whip those off your hand and get them out of there and then it will stay liquefied and then you can strain that and then what you have cooks exactly the same way that whisked eggs cook no kidding so if you can cook Uh eggs you can cook blood because it has the albumin protein so when you cook it it solidifies that's why they call blood pudding blood pudding pudding you know it's got this egg base that binds and makes it solid i can't figure out why people don't want to just do this in their, you know, once like you, when you're talking about stirring the blood, yeah, you just, fl- you just fling it right off, yeah. you know. It's like once you do it, I'm sure it's like, that's eh, no big deal, yeah. Uh, but yeah. there are people at you know who would hear that and say, No, I'm not gonna do that, yeah, you know, which is good for you. It, it doesn't take much. The hand of little employment hath the daintier sense, Hamlet says. Mm. So the more you do it, mm-hmm. the less dainty. Yeah. Your senses become. Sure. And they it's not like you're, ah, that's a good thing. I just realized this. It's not like you're numbing. You're not becoming numb to it. That's actually a myth. Like You're you coming get, to know it more. Exactly. You're not becoming numb to the kill or numb to the smell, you know, or numb to the feeling of the guts or whatever. N- not at all. You're actually refining, becoming more attuned to it mm-hmm. such that you are much better able to detect something that is actually putrefying. Uh, or something that is uh, just aging, right? Just by aroma. Like you get, you, your senses are becoming disciplined and more right. trained the more you do it. Yeah. And you also realize this is not going to hurt you. Yeah. Right. You're actually going to be just fine. Yeah. Builds confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So do we, are we, are we going to go through how to do a pig or do we have, do we want to go other, uh, other places? Yeah, well, that, that was just step two. Uh, yeah. That yeah. Was step two. Yeah. I mean, let, let's keep going. Okay. Keep going. All right. Yeah. I'll try to, we'll get through it. Uh, so then, if you're going to actually receive the full bounty that is a pig, you need to scald it and scrape it, rather than skin it. On account of the fact that a pig does not have a hide like a deer or a rabbit, where you can find a seam and then pull, mm-hmm. pig has an epidermis, it has skin like we do. They get right. freckles, sunburns, and it is delicious. They actually use pig skin uh, like for skin transplant sometimes yes that's right yeah yeah my wife almost got some pigskin on her ankle wow. one time and i was all excited about it i had all these new nicknames picked out for her. 
and then they ended up not needing to do it. And I was, darn, I was a little sad. Yeah, but yeah, and the only way you're going to get that is if you scald and scrape your pigs. Okay, and which means you have to dip them in water that is exactly 147 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, and count to 90, and then hoist it out a little bit. And I do this in a 55 gallon drum. Tug on the hair if it's it should slip off effortlessly. If it doesn't, go back in for another 90. But you got to keep it at 147 Fahrenheit. Okay. That okay. is that's the magic number. Yeah, I mean technically it's 145. But I'm telling you 147 because if you check the temp and then you lower the pig in, he's going to drop it a couple degrees to 145. And that is, you're not boiling worse. It's like specifically a scald to loosen the uh, the hair follicles. And so then you scrape off the, the hair and the top layer of skin. So a black pig or a red pig will have white skin beneath. No kidding. And that's what's your, that's the dermis that remains and you're scraping that off. Wow. And you'll see it's, it is, uh, I regard scalding and scraping a pig as a very high art form. It's tricky. It is the epitome of carving the backside of a pillar that nobody's going to see. It's just this thing. It's takes a lot of work. You have mm-hmm. to be precise the whole time. And it is so gratifying when you get it and anybody can do it. I should, I always like to put that on the back there. But, uh, so that's the scald and scrape. And that makes the entire harvest of the pig available to you. When you skin a pig, you remove most of the fat. It's just gone because there is no okay. seam between hide and flesh. Okay. So what, uh, what could possibly, if it's an art form, Yes. and you're scraping this pig, if yeah. someone was like a newbie, if I was just going to go yep. in and add it, what mistake would I make? Only one. There's just one mistake that everybody makes. Going too deep? or They do not pay attention to the thermometer. Like you really have to be a temperature obsessed person. Okay. Make sure your thermometer is calibrated. Um, it's usually that the water is too hot or too cold. Both are bad. It's not like, oh, if it's hotter, it'll happen faster. It's like, right. no, no, no. It's not how it works. It's real bad. It'll melt the underlayer of skin and affix the hair to it. And so uh, when you go to scrape it, the hair is not coming off. So you got to press harder. But the backing is now softened and slightly cooked. So you're taking chunks of fat out. Not yeah, good. you don't want that. Yeah, makes me... Uh, gives me anxiety just to talk about it. So <laughs> so if, if you get the temperature right, it just you're comes... Good. It just, it's easy to do. It just comes right off. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's still work. You'll have tennis elbow at the end of the day because you're scraping it with this thing called But it's just scraper. like scrape. Just yeah. use the scraper. That's right. Okay. It should slip right off. Then you hang them from the back legs and you open up the front end and you're going to pull all the guts out. Similar mm-hmm. to a deer. Yes. And if it's actually a little easier because a deer has way more guts being a ruminant than a pig. A pig is a small little gut package. And you that's... Evisceration is where you pull all that out. And then you can split the pig down the middle just with a bone saw, uh-huh. handheld, and put it in a cool place and uh, go to bed. You mean like a refrigerator? A refrigerator okay. is nice. Winter also works. You know, if uh, a refrigerator is only, you know, 35 degrees, and it's not uncommon for that to happen at night, you know, in uh, the northern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. And so you can just hoist it higher up in the tree that you're hanging it from and go to bed and it'll chill all night. And then the next day you can get back to bring them down, portioning the carcass, cutting it up, setting aside to it and putting a lot of it on the salt, I would hope, which is to cure it. Okay. And that's where the bacon and the ham comes in. And so is that all part of the slaughtering process? This is all, are we, have we moved into butchering? We did. I just 
tipped in. So slaughtering is that first day process where you, you get to splitting the pig in half. That pig is slaughtered. After okay. it's cut in half or before it's cut in half? Well, either, I, I say either, either way. Either or, yeah. yeah. It's a little bit of butchery on the slaughter day, sure. I guess. Cut okay. it in half. And then it changes from coast to coast. Like butchers on the East Coast, would, when they say the word butcher, they mean slot, what I would say is slaughter. So hmm. it's kind of got this arbitrary. Yeah, because I've heard of, that's kind of how I've heard. It's like, oh, I'm going to go butcher that cow. Right. And they, I guess the slaughtering is obviously you're going to slaughter it if you're going to butcher yeah. it. You know, you don't yeah. need to say both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the butchery is bring it in, portion it, salt it, and cook and eat. Okay. When uh, when we're talking about the salting part of it, yeah. let's, let's go into that for just a second. Yeah. The, the, the purpose, how much, why do we do it? Yeah. I think the most important part is why. Right. And there are, I think, traditionally there was one primary reason. And that was because you don't have a refrigerator <laughs> or a freezer. Yeah. So you are not just flavoring the meat, you are preserving it. Mm-hmm. And this is what I love about curing traditionally is that when you are pursuing that utilitarian end, like, hey, let's not starve in the next two months of this really cold winter. Yeah. That would be good. Super utilitarian. I'm on board. I'm on board, yeah. Right? I'm pro this. (laughs) Yeah. Pro living. (laughs) Yes. Uh, That is actually what generates the most delicious culinary creations from a pig that you can imagine. That is where, that is still today how the best prosciutto is made. Hmm. It is preserved with salt. Like the jamón ibérico, which is a Spanish ham, and it's aged for three years. Not in temperature-controlled environments. Some of them are. But the temperature control is like, open a window, shut a window, right? It's very simple. Just cured with salt. And it is the best ham in the world. See, I didn't know ham could just hang out for that long. Yeah, that's the idea. salt, yeah. Well, right, yeah, but... Yeah, so what That's incredible. Yeah. It's like magic, right? Have they aged ham in bourbon barrels? This is a legitimate question. That is a legitimate question. They've salted it in bourbon barrels, for sure. Barrels were a very common way to, you know, you put the salt in, put the meat in, put the salt in, in the barrel. Mm. Um, Because, you know, everything is better when it's aged in a bourbon barrel. Right. I'm actually aging my own children in bourbon barrels right now. (laughs) Oh, nice. They smell nice and sweet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. More complex... More complexity, yeah. yeah, in general. Right. We'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see. <laughs> okay, uh, so you're salting this, yes. you're salting the pig. So that's one of the ends of salting is preservation. And it right. so happens because God is benevolent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you do that, it's, like you did it's it on purpose extravagantly or delicious. Like maybe we're designed to think it's delicious, uh-huh. right? Um, so that's what's fun about this is the perfect marriage of thrift and extravagance. In one thing, like we're not compromising, mm-hmm. you know, like Catholicism yeah. does sometimes. We're not like making a false dichotomy. Right. It's um, not fallacious no. at all. Don't, don't make dichotomous hand. Uh, but so, yeah. And the basically the way the curing works is you're putting salt on flesh. And the thing in the flesh that wants to make it spoil and rot. Yes, there is some bacteria there, but it is really water that enables the bacteria to commit dalliance and create stinky, nasty toxins and off-gassing that will Hmm. make you sick. It needs water to do that. Okay. Water is the medium in which the bacteria, or the cavilling beasties, Mm -hmm. 
uh, will do that. So if you remove or bind the water, not going to happen. And that's what salt does to the water that's in the meat. When the salt comes in contact with the cell wall of the meat, the water inside the cell seeks a balance with the salt outside. So it actually goes out to it. Mm -hmm. So you're pulling water out Mm -hmm. and then some of that water goes back into the meat, but it brings with it, the molecules bring little salt ions, which bind that molecule. It's like no bacteria can use this water now. It's my water. It belongs to the salt. Yeah. So that is the that is the effective part of curing. That is what preserves it. So can you just go get a pork chop, take it home, just cover it in salt, and leave it on your counter for a year? Yes, you could do that. And it, and then you could cook it a year later. Yeah, and it would be fine. What you'd probably have is uh, salt pork. So there's many degrees of subtlety and deliciousness that we could get into. Okay. If you just want it to not rot. Mm-hmm. That you, then you just pack it in solid salt. It's salt pork, okay. Which means it is very salty. Yeah. All the water in the meat has been replaced with salt, essentially. Okay. And that's why it lasts on ships that are uh-huh. out to sea in all kinds of weather. And the only way you can really uh, palatize that, eat it, and enjoy it is you got to get the salt out. And so you soak it in fresh water, and you reverse the, the osmosis. Yeah, that put the salt in. Hmm. And you could you could just soak it in fresh water, or it could be a boil. You know, you're simmering it, and so you're kind of cooking it and pulling salt out simultaneously. And that's just like bear survival, you know, salt pork style. Mm-hmm. But uh, all the recipes for all the different cuts, if you're going to cure like the jowl, the belly for bacon, um, the culpa from the shoulder, the leg, the ham, they're all the same recipe. It's just different parts. It's just learning how much salt to add to each thing and how long to leave it on the salt. Okay. That's the only subtlety to this whole art, which hmm. could really be distilled to don't oversalt. That is the only, that's the temptation that is going to be the easiest thing to do. But don't undersalt either, right? Right. Yeah. And here's the other thing. Fortunately, if you undersalt and the meat goes off, like, you know, define the worst case scenario, whatever that is, everyone gets sick. That would be the worst case scenario. Uh, you will know. (laughs) You're not going to accidentally eat a putrefied piece of bacon. Uh I promise. It smells flagrant. Like you, if you get close to it, you'll gag because you have a sniffer that's telling your mouth, like, don't put that in there, moron. Right. Because it smells like death. Uh And you're like, oh, okay, I won't do that. And then I've even tried this. So I've tried to over for posterity. I have... (laughs) eaten a rotten ham i could smell the ham from like 20 feet away okay real bad it it was the smell of putrefication you know not just like ripe yeah not like a nice cheese you Uh know that's kind of no putrefied rotted and uh i was like all right i i've been preaching about the reliability of our noses for so long so i wanted to test it and i took a little piece and it the piece itself didn't stink the whole ham did and I uh, put it in my mouth and it didn't even taste that bad. And I'm chewing away and I could not swallow. I was really impressed at my own, my body's like. Would not would say no. Stop, moron, spit, you know, projectile immediately. And I, yeah, my body said no. I could not overcome and just like, let's send it down, you know. I was really amazed. No kidding. Yeah. And so I, I spit it out. 
Uh, so they're all, but you know, you don't have to do that. That's kind of crazy. But <laughs> the the aroma will be obvious. The only time where you can't trust smell as a absolutely reliable guide uh, in determining the edibility of a thing is where there is an anaerobic, an oxygen-free process involved in making it. And that would just be like salami or something that you're canning because that could have a botulate toxin, which is occurs in such a small amount that you can't see it, taste it, or smell it. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we're talking about whole muscle cures, and in that category is bacon, and you're just taking a slab of meat, salting, curing, there's oxygen all around the outside of the meat. There's no bacteria in the flesh that produces that toxin because the flesh is basically sterile. Right. Um, and so if it is going to go off, is going to be aromatically obvious. It's going to bludgeon you about the face with its horrible stench, and you're not going to be able to eat it. Okay. Okay, so we don't have a whole lot of time left, and I want to get to smoking. That's okay, yeah. before we do that, let me ask this. Okay. So if somebody was thinking, this sounds awesome, I want to do this, Yeah. Um, what kind of investment do, would one have to make? I mean, do you need special tools? You know, what are, yeah. or what are the tools you know, yeah. you need a, all right, you need a 22 mm -hmm. or you could use a gun. You need a gun. <laughs> I mean, a 22 is 22 is a outside the category of gun. Well, no. Or it's like, well, I have a 45, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, that'll work. It will. It'd be maybe messier, but. Um, yes. You might not get as much of a harvest from the head. Yeah. And you head. Not and your head cheese. You want your head. Yeah. You want the head cheese. Yeah. But okay. So what else? You need a saw. Yeah, a bone. They make them for bone. It is nice to have a bone saw. But a hacksaw works. It yeah. kind of works. Yeah. If you want to do it with any regularity, you know, like once a year, it's nice to upgrade to just get yourself a bone saw. Okay, so you you maybe get a bone saw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sharp knife. Item number one. Sharpness is absolutely. Uh, don't even pretend to cut with a dull knife. What do you do to get your knife sharp? Do you use a, a grinder? No, I use a coarse stone and a fine stone. I follow the Japanese method because I think the Japanese... They were pretty good they about sharp blades. It out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As far as sharpness goes, like dogma. It's mm -hmm. determined. We're done. Japanese got it. So I would uh, I use a DVD that I sell on my website that you can also buy from the guy that makes it, but I literally adhere to his method perfectly. I'm pretty sure I'm his best student. And it's uh, cartercutlery.com and... How long does it take to sharpen a knife? It depends on how thick it is. So when I shop for a knife, I get high carbon steel antique knives and you don't want the dimension of the blade to be really thick. You want it to be thin because acute is sharp, obtuse is dull. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you have to grind down an obtuse blade to be very thin, that takes hours mm -hmm. when you're doing it by hand. So thin knife. Okay. Yeah, step, be, become a student of sharpness. 15 minutes maybe if you have a... Yeah, if if it's if thin, you have the right yes, if it's a right thin knife. knife, you could do that in fifteen minutes. Okay. Yeah, and then you know a chain hoist. You need a propane jet burner to heat the, the water. water. For the yeah. water. Yeah, don't. Ma I mean, yes, wood is funky and fun, but it also takes forever to get hot. And you're gonna. It would be real too hard to regulate the temperature. You're gonna it would be. Yeah. 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 Basically, if you're doing it with wood, you wait till the temperature is perfect, then you go shoot the pig, and drag it over, and dunk immediately you know but if you have a burner you have a little more flexibility okay uh propane jet burner it'll heat a 55 gallon drum two-thirds full in 20 minutes so okay. it's real quick yeah um and then you want some cutting boards 
sharp knives, we said, and it's hard to underestimate the use you'll get out of bus tubs. So like at restaurants, those plastic busing mm-hmm. tubs, they're non-reactive, so you can cure things in them. And you will just, you'll be shocked at how many lugs, you know, you need the ability to lug meat around. So okay. get like okay. six of those. They're not expensive. Okay. Yeah. What, and, what uh, size knife? Like a, uh, uh, the sharp size. I don't. It did the length sh- doesn't matter. It almost doesn't matter. Really? I mean, really, sharpness is so important that I would rather slaughter skin a cow with a sharp paring knife than with a dull beef skinner. You mm-hmm. know, that's designed for that purpose. Right. So usually, that being said, you know, around six or seven inches, you can do everything with that. Okay. Absolutely everything with a six or seven inch knife. And if if a pig is a hundred pounds, how much? How heavy, what's the total weight of the meat? Like yeah. if you do, do it you all yield? really well, efficiently, yeah. you know, you're not leaving extra stuff on the bone. Right. What how much meat do you, yeah. Yeah, so what is the hanging weight? If you scald and scrape the pig, as opposed to skinning, because that throws it all off. If you scald and scrape it and you clean the head and the trotters and everything's beautiful, which is what we're going to do tomorrow. Uh-huh. Um, if, from a, if the pig is 100 pounds alive, you'll have like uh, 70, 75 pounds of hanging weight. You will? Yes. That's a lot. It's a lot. Because pig has a small gut package. Wow. Right? It's not half the weight of the living pig uh-huh. uh, like it is with a ruminant. So, yeah, pig is a high-yield animal, especially That's if you incredible. don't screw, uh, skin them. Yeah. So is this, that will include some bones? Yes, that all of them. That okay. includes all of them. Okay, okay, I see. Because you use the bones. Yeah. Gotcha. You make your broth. So that's basically stock. minus the skin and the, and the blood. Not even the skin. Well... You'll see. Some of the skin, maybe. Yeah, which the has no ep- weight. Epidermis. Yeah, minus the hair, okay. basically, and the pigmented layer of skin. Yeah. Okay. It's very high yield. Gotcha. And then the way you cut it, you don't have to trim anything. That's a, I'll show you how we cut it tomorrow to make 100% yield. There is no, eh, this isn't so good, we'll throw that out. Uh-huh. There's none of that. It's all good stuff. I'm so excited. I'm all right. pumped. Okay, let's talk about smoking. Real yes, fast because yeah. I love smoking. I love smoking briskets. I love Why don't you ask him bites. your question before gonna, we do this? Before we do the smoking. Okay, I can do that. Because yeah. you know we're here. To, we're still talking about the butcherying. You know, okay, the bacon. it makes yes. sense to yeah. fit it in here. This is a serious question. This yeah. is something that that I've I've been trying my best to find somebody who knows this the answer to this. And, and you ask Doctor Doctor Cutaback, and he just shot you down. He shot me. Down. <laughs> he knows the answer too. That's the thing. He knew the answer, and he refused to tell I was me. The, that was the closest I'd ever come to fighting one of our guests. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just like, are you kidding me? Okay, so uh, when, when with bacon, when we're talking yeah. about bacon, we're talking about delicious, thick-cut, peppered, yeah. fried bacon. Yeah, Yeah, because some of you get excited about bacon, and then you realize, this is, I can see through this bacon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like paper thin. Before you cook it. You it's know? like, it's not... That's not that's not the way to do it. So yeah. so when we're talking about thick cut bacon, yeah, there has to be a principle of diminishing returns where you get to a point where it's too thick and then it becomes like a ham steak. Yeah. So I and don't maybe a little chewy and maybe yeah, yeah. And probably, yeah. probably yeah. chewy. Yeah. Yes. So I don't know where the moment is of this is a delicious thick cut piece of bacon to yeah. we're now too chewy and this is now a steak. I need a knife. Yeah. So is it like an eighth of an inch? Is it a quarter inch is it half inch where where is that moment where, where is it where, yeah. what are we talking about well uh are you making your own bacon is this the context you're talking about depends on the bacon you're using that's why i'm asking uh, the bacon you're slicing okay, the so quality of the, the, qual- the pig itself so let's, t- let's talk about the quality of the cure both. really okay. quick because I, I i can't do that all the time right obviously. yeah so yeah. if i'm going to 
the, let's say you the go market. to the butcher sh- you know you yeah, yeah you go, go to, to the grocery store and yeah. there's the dude back there and he'll cut stuff for you, you oh know? you have that here okay cool mm-hmm. yeah yeah you can find that here yeah okay. um well, and he's like all right well how, what, how what thick you do you want like? your bacon yeah, what would you oh, like? okay yeah interesting so what do i what do i tell him yeah so that guy that's tricky um because it depends on the bacon he's cutting some of it is probably already cooked even though you're going to fry it up at home, it's already been cooked. Really? Yes. And some of it is just dry cured, like I described, which right. makes a different texture entirely. Some of it has been smoked for a long period, so the bacon is dry mm-hmm. on the surface, which means it will be chewy if you slice it thick. Some of it has been brined, so it's saturated and it's squishy and it can be cut real th- thickly and still won't be chewy. Okay. So it's, it's bacon to bacon. Unfortunately, oh, there is no, it, it really depends on the slab. So if you are going to make the bacon that I will show you how to make tomorrow, right? which is bacon with integrity, yes. meaning it's going to, it'll, yes. it will never spoil ever. Right. Okay. It, yeah. And it will taste delicious. Uh-huh. Um, the reason it doesn't spoil is again, cause it has that water removed. And so dryness is this thing that is what is preventing the rot from happening. And what that creates, especially the longer it hangs, is a drier bacon. And the ultimate example of that is jerky, right? Jerky is super dry. I mean, traditionally, the only way that's cured is you take lean pieces of meat and you just hang them in the sun. They're just dehumidified. They're dried out. You don't even have to salt them for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And jerky is chewy. So the top layer of meat on your belly will be that consistency the longer that belly hangs in your kitchen. So... I slice my bacon uh, with regards to its thickness, Mm -hmm. judging by the age of the slab and how long it's been hanging in my kitchen, how um, how how hard it is when you hold it. Like after you hang a belly for even just a month in your kitchen, it'll be solid. You know, you 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 would have to really try to bend it. Hmm. So that one, when it's drier, you want it to be sliced thinner because it will be more chewy. And then it's also the way you cook it is important. You only flip it, try to flip it, uh, well, not too many times. Basically, if you have curls of the fat, you know how the fat curls yeah. in that inviting mm-hmm. manner? Yeah. If some of the peaks are still look very raw to you, it's good. Don't overcook dry bacon. Okay. How do you feel about then bacon presses? I've never used one. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I don't know. It's... That might be kind of nice. I like to see things that I'm cooking and it's like, I'd be checking the bacon all the <laughs> yeah. time because it, overcooking the bacon right. is like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah it's, it's horrible. Black, it's black. Yeah. yeah. And I agree. Especially in your case where it's like, look, I fed that pig yeah. for a year <laughs> yeah. and you overcooked it. Yeah. I fed it. I, That's I, right. I slaughtered it. I butchered it. Uh-huh. I cured it. And then you forgot what you were doing for, for you know, 20 seconds yeah. and you ruined it. Yeah. So basically, I didn't get a, a definitive answer. The answer is there is not a definitive answer. It depends on the quality mm. of the belly and how it was cured. Okay. So, But again, right. this, the stuff that I'm going to show you how to make, you know, once you hang it in your kitchen after it had, has been on the salt, after you've done a little cold smoke on it, um, so it's been on the salt for, let's just say, five days, and then you do a cold smoke for like two days. So it's still a young bacon. That bacon you can cut pretty thick, and it's not going to be chewy. Like, do you have to when cure you say it? pretty thick? Are you talking about like, like half a, inch? You could do a quarter inch. Quarter inch? Okay. Oh, yeah. Could you just butcher it 
and take it into your kitchen and cook it up would that would that be okay it would uh that would just be a fresh belly yeah it would be great it might be a little chewy it won't taste like bacon at all really yeah. really yeah no kidding yeah you're talking about just taking it off yeah. the pig yeah, yeah. And so just... it hasn't been salted it's not cured it's just it'll taste like fresh pork hmm. so it'll wow. be it'll be good but it won't taste like bacon yeah can they make other parts of the pig taste like bacon yes that's what i'm saying why are they not doing that <laughs> yes <laughs> traditionally all of the, the word for that's what you meant earlier when you said the recipe is yeah, the same it's the same Meat That's what is you meant. Meat. Water okay. is water. Salt is salt. Smoke is smoke. Okay. Apply it all in the right proportions to any part of the skeletal muscle, skin, and fat of a pig. Oh my goodness! You will get this thing called bacon. Today, bacon means pre-sliced uh, breakfast rashers. That's what that's what that word means today. That's not what it used to mean. Bacon was synonymous with pork in the okay. English language. Bacon is a British product. Bacon is an English word. It's not. Pancetta, you know how we, we imported a lot of Italian ones. Bacon is distinctly English. Okay. And the the yield from a pig is bacon. They cured all of it. Because again, they didn't have freezers. So you had to preserve all of it. The pork that you would eat fresh was only the spine and the spare ribs. And they called that pork. And you can read guides from that time, like the 1830s, where the author says... In a guide on how to slaughter a pig and how to cure it and cook it, I don't recommend that you eat pork. And what he means is no fresh pork. Why would you eat fresh? It's a waste. It huh. makes it, it dulls the edge of husbandry and makes you a sluggard. Wow. That is a, dead serious. So write that down. Right with that <laughs> words. It dulls the edge of husbandry. That's yeah. It's a good line. That would be William Cobbett. He's got a lot of those. But nice. uh, so bacon is is pork. I mean, that is how it was all eaten. So you can take the chops. The British still have this to this day. They call it back bacon. You know, like what a pork chop looks like. Just pretend it's bacon. Yeah. And you slice it thin all the way along the loin and you cure it the same way. It's wonderful. Do you have a favorite cut of bacon? I, I really like back bacon myself. Yeah. Okay. I, I really like it. I mean, uh, it's got a nice big piece of meat and the pigs that I raise get really nice and fat. So it's got like two inches of back fat on it. Okay. So we're talking, it's, it's a solid ration of. Nice. So really, yeah, it sounds like we weren't even asking the right question. Yeah, we it's weren't. not so much about how thick is the bacon, but yeah. where should the bacon come from? The, you know, the ideal fat we, to, to meat ratio. Yeah. Dude, here's the deal. We didn't know what we didn't even know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize. Yeah. We had no idea. Okay, we don't have much time. I really want to get to smoking okay. really fast. Yeah, yeah I, I, did, love, I did too. I, I just love, wanted to make it, sure we, already, we did that. It's already noon. Yeah. So, um, okay. I love smoking. Yeah. Smoking is big here here in Oklahoma, at least. You know, we're talking about yeah. briskets. We're talking about pork butts. We're talking about uh, uh, ribs. Yeah. All sorts of different types of smoking, right? And I love smoking because probably similar to what why you like y yeah. your whole process because it's this craft it's like you you're invested in time yeah you, you, i i like to tinker with all the, mm -hmm. the yeah. there's, a there's a ceremony there, you mm -hmm. know it's just like the prepping the the getting up at 2 a.m so that way you can have a feast by dinner yes. time you know yeah. like you know, checking on the wood making sure what kind of wood are you going to use you know what rubs you know yeah all the processes of smoking i just absolutely love yeah um one because uh, again, you, you feel great about, you know, this is something that I've done. You've taken ownership in, t in the meal. Yeah, you, know, you worked prepared. hard for it. You worked hard for yeah. it. But yeah. also you get to like 
hang out and drink right. beer and like enjoy the day. Yeah, and it's like, it's how creatures with immortal souls ought to prepare and eat food. I think it's yes. rightly ordered. Yes, very yeah. rightly ordered. So, but my problem is, is nowadays they have these smokers. Yeah. That take all the work out. Yes. How do you feel about these like Traeger grills and things like yeah. that that are electric smokers? All smoke, the pellet all smokers. The pellet smokers yeah. Yeah. Where, like the end is still yeah. a delicious piece of meat. Right. But you're no longer, they're taking the yeah. man part out of, of this. Yeah. How do you feel about that? So in my youth, in my amateurish zeal, I would have rejected it as a compromise of principle and a detraction on my character to have a Traeger grill. I still don't have one, but I did realize that it is not a zero-sum game. It's part of something you learn when you convert from Protestantism to Catholicism. There's less zero-sum games than you thought there were. And you could actually have a Traeger and a really rustic, awesome smoker. So that's my argument now. Okay. Just yeah, go I, ahead and... I think that is the, a go good balance answer. Go ahead and get answer. both because you have children. Like, right. sorry, I'm is, out here working a smoker. Like, they're vomiting all over the house. Can you please... No, sorry, I'm, need, I'm adjusting the vent. Like, <clears throat> just get a Traeger, pop it in. But the problem is, do go you to ever work. go back? Like, you know, as human so. beings, like, I just know, like, once you figure mm-hmm. out a way to, like, we don't use uh, encyclopedias anymore. Yeah. We have the Google. Like, why do I need an encyclopedia? I have yeah. Google. You said the me. Google. Uh, That's I, an old person thing to do. Google. Yeah. We have, the, we have we, the Google. We have the Google that'll, like, tell us everything. You yeah. know? I was so, looking at the Google the other day. <laughs> but so, I mean, I, I'm saying that to say, like, yeah. I'm worried that if I, I did go to that, yeah. that I wouldn't. I would never talk myself into being able to going back because it's like, well, yeah. I don't need that any longer. Yeah. That's my concern. Yeah, I, I get that. And I, I understand that. I think that uh, what you would find is that because you have more control and manipulation over the smoke of your rustic setup, mm-hmm. you know, you actually can create something that tastes better. It'll be a little bit better. The quality mm-hmm. will actually be enhanced because it is more an expression of your intelligent input than the trigger, which does not have intelligence. Right. And so assuming it, you have the skill. Yeah. And to, it's something it, you develop. Right. So I right. think it's good to start with the rustic stuff and like really dial it and acquire a skill. And then you are qualified to let a machine do it passively for you and do submission to yeah. the proper rustic smoker. In your but back. I do. I, th- I think I think that's the correct answer is that, yes, you can have a trigger grill. You're not you don't have to be ashamed of yourself, you know, yeah. from a purist standpoint yes and here's the thing like the ease making bacon is a virtue like i we need uh let's do this yes we need dr meloche to give us meloche meloche Meloche. to give us a an outline of the virtue of making bacon right from a thomistic perspective because i know we could oh we definitely could but it is actually a discipline you know like Mm -hmm. you don't notice it is because you're impassioned about it you're zealous and you love it but then you know keep going Keep curing your own bacon. Keep doing it on a matter of principle. And it becomes a different game. It actually means that you are, that's what the, the process of acquiring a taste is, actually eating your own bacon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tell people it's easier to make your bacon than it is to eat it. That's not for me. I know. I know it that's sounds a- crazy. <laughs> that does sound crazy. I know. I know. But... You, the yield of a pig is so huge. You're going to have 30 pounds oh, I see. of bacon. I, okay. And if you're going to hang it in your kitchen, because by principle, you're going to eschew the freezer, right? Because right. you want to make this bacon with integrity. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I 
dare I say, you are going to get a little sick of bacon because you're going to, it's especially if you're limiting yourself and not buying any other meat, right? Right. And you're just going to eat the meat mm -hmm. from your pig until it's gone. Yeah. Um, there are going to be times when you're going to have bacon with a side of bacon with a piece of bread crust. And that's, that's the meal uh -huh. every day. And so good motivation to make excellent bacon, but also realize <laughs> that like it is this, this is how we shoulder the burden of abundance. And the pig is this amazing yield of so much food. It is actually burdensome because <laughs> it mm. is such a great gift. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this just so I can write down all of these one-liners that you're saying, like the burden of abundance and just so many, there's so many concepts in this whole process, so foreign to most people, I think. So harvesting a pig will do it, man. Okay, before we go. Yeah. What is like the one thing that you have learned that surprised you the most once you have like adopted this lifestyle, so yeah. to speak? I mean, it's not went, necessarily about the lifestyle. It's really about the activity. Yeah. Um, but I, I can get like, I, I can get almost romanticize this idea of yeah. like what you do. And it's like, yes, this is something yeah. that like I would love to do. Yeah. Uh, and I think what you're also trying to say is like, you know, if we can have this idea of romanticizing, but not, it's not always that way. Is well, that no, I was just curious. What is like the the lesson or you know insight into God's wonder, whatever it yeah. is that like surprised you the most? Okay, and then my question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. I think they're both kind of related, though, because it is. I'm definitely way beyond the amateur zeal because I've killed thousands of pigs many for my own household mm -hmm. and it is uh it is toil it is hard work uh -huh. and uh so it is it is now a matter of discipline to make the perfect bacon whereas it's sort of like if you're working all buzzed up on coffee as opposed to working under your own motivation mm -hmm. you know without any caffeine that right. day for whatever reason and that's when you know what you love you prove it by doing it when you hate it, <laughs> when you're yeah. exhausted and tired. When you want to cut like, corners. It's like prayer, yeah. that's your prayer life. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's, that's your prayer life. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel Sometimes like, it's your marriage. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, you keep doing it. You just mm -hmm. keep doing it because yeah. you love it. That's right. And, and you prove your love for it. And so what, what that means is you cannot use your emotions or your passions as a metric for whether or not you should be making bacon at home. Or, you know, whatever the thing may be. Uh, because those will come and go. Those are unreliable sources. You just need to, uh, if you believe it's the right thing to do, you should probably do it. Mm -hmm. That's okay. a discipline. Brandon, where can people find you? Uh, farmsteadmeatsmith.com is our website. And that is the gateway to sign up for our membership where we go through curing and preparing all of these things from all kinds of animals. Beef and lamb and poultry and duck and everything. Uh, updated monthly. So you can also go to our website, farmstipmeetswith.com and sign up for our newsletter. Sweet. Sweet. Brandon, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Blast. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise.